Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of NHL Trade Talk, the podcast. My name is Jim Parsons. Going to be joined by Brooke Laferno here in just a minute. But a quick reminder that we are uh, a show that really could use your help. So if you are listening to this, if you want to download, subscribe, share it with your friends, go on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. As well, I got a special announcement coming up here, and I'll talk about this with Brooke a little bit too. She's going to be part of it. But we've got a webinar coming up here on Monday. If you know me, you know that I love talking hockey. I love talking sports. I freelance write. I podcast. I do all sorts of things. But I also teach a digital course on how to get into these industries or lanes if you're a sports fan, if you like hockey or any other sport for that matter. I'm going to be teaching in a free webinar on Monday night. That is Monday night, November 21st either 5.30 p.m. Central or 7 p.m. Central. You can go to equinoxsound.com, which is my company website. You can go to sportssidehustle.com, uh, which talks about the program. I'll put it in the show notes on the blog that comes with this podcast uh, or the show notes of the show itself. But that's going to be Monday. Absolutely free webinar. We're going to teach you six different strategies that you can use if you want to start making some money as a freelance writer or a podcaster or a video host or Whatever the case may be, I hope that you'll join us. So that is going to be on Monday night, November 21st, 5.30 p.m. Central or 7 p.m. Central. You choose the time that works best for you. It's about a half an hour. I got some free bonuses I'm going to be giving away, uh, some prizes, got some special sponsors, all sorts of stuff for that one. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope that you join us on Monday night. As far as this podcast goes, though, we're going to be talking about some surprises in the NHL this season, some teams that are doing really well, some teams that are not doing very well. Some NHL trade rumors, including Eric Carlson and some of the members of the San Jose Sharks organization. Some injuries, all sorts of stuff. We're going to cover a wide variety of topics today on the show. So hope that you enjoy. Hope that you join me on Monday for the free webinar that you can check out the link in the show notes to this episode and uh, enjoy this episode. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the NHL Trade Talk podcast or NHL Trade Talk the podcast or the podcast talking about NHL trades. I don't know what you want to call it. NHL Trade Talk the podcast will go with, uh, as always, Jim Parsons here from the Hockey Raiders and NHLTradeTalk.com. Brooke Laferno is with me uh, at her grandparents' house, I think she said while she was recording this. Brooke, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. We're in a new location, so we got well, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun experience. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's the beauty of podcasts nowadays. You could travel, go, and record from wherever you are. As long as you've got a mobile device that has a microphone attached to it, you're good to do it. You're good to give us the content and talk about hockey discussions, so we're going to do that. Um, I wanted to talk very quickly, though, before we get started here about something we got coming up uh, that you know about that you'll be attending on Monday night, this coming Monday. We've got a free webinar that we're actually doing now. For those that listen to the show, you may know that I have created a digital course that teaches sports fans, including hockey fans, how to make a little money with their passion for the game, their love of sports, getting into like Brooke and I are in freelance writing or podcasting or video creation, investing, buying, whatever it is that you're into, whatever sports you like to follow, there is a way to make money with it. And we're going to actually do a free webinar on Monday night. So if you're interested, I will put a link um in the show notes page in the blog article that comes with this you can register for that webinar it's absolutely free 5 30 p.m central or 7 p.m central there's two slots on monday night so we hope that you join us because it's going to be six free techniques that we teach on how to get started if you're looking at writing and expanding and launching your your career or what have you uh, even just a part-time income so i wanted to get that out of the way cheap plug 
doing that, building that up. We're going to do that webinar on Monday. So really looking forward to talking with people about going to make a little money with this sort of stuff. We have to talk a little hockey, though, because there's tons of speculation. There's a lot of teams that are not doing as well as people thought they would do. There are teams that are doing a little bit better than people thought they would do. So, yeah, there's a lot to cover here. So we're going to do that over the next little bit. Uh, where do you want to start, Brooke? We've got the Ottawa Senators and Ducks to talk about, New Jersey Devils, Sharks Rumors, uh, Horvat out of Vancouver. There's lots of places we can start. Where would you like to kick things off? Uh, let's go with the the Senators and the Ducks here. Okay. So, I mean, the reality here with these two teams is they're underperforming. These are mm-hmm. now... I don't know necessarily the Anaheim Ducks were going to be wonderful, but they got a lot of good young players on this team. Uh, they added a guy like John Kligberg over the offseason, which we figured would be, I don't know about a difference maker, but he would be productive, and he has played a lot of minutes. They still aren't very good. They're like second last in the NHL. Uh, the Ottawa Senators, however, were supposed to be a lot better than they are and have been. Now, some of that's injury-related. Some of that's just not chemistry not working. I don't know which team we want to focus on first. You want to go Ottawa? Like, what's the problem in Ottawa? Why is this team that everybody pegged to have made such a, a lot of people called this team the winner of the offseason? Like, they did so much to get Debrinkit, which you who you know really well from watching in Chicago, Claude Giroux, lots of good players. It's just not working in Ottawa. What's the story there? Do you know what? The Ottawa Senators surprised me. When they got Alex Debrinkit and Claude Drew, I was like, oh, they might be something. But something that kind of sticks out is a lot of people said early on uh, in the season that their defense and goaltending might be a weakness of theirs. They may, they might be able to score a lot of goals there with Kachuk and Debrinkit and Drew, but their defense and goaltending is probably what's going to be their kryptonite. And I think they were right about that. Right now, they're kind of just not clicking, and I don't know what it is. Alex Debrinkit is not really scoring at the rate that he usually does. I think he only has four goals this season, um, which for him, that's not really great. It could be, like you said, the chemistry maybe is not there yet. I don't know exactly what it is, but I do think their goaltending and defense has been an issue, and I kind of think without that being addressed, it comes to show you how hard it is to win in this league unless you kind of address every area of need on a team. Like scoring kind of just shows you it's just not enough in this league. We kind of see it with the Edmonton Oilers too, but I think, yeah, there's a little bit of issues there on defense and with chemistry. Yeah, the injuries are no good. I mean, they have been riddled. They started the season without Talbot, for example. They've got some guys going down already. Um, Not good for Ottawa. I am a little concerned, though. I mean, concern is the wrong word here. When it comes to Alex Debrinkit, this is a guy who has a million reasons, maybe nine or ten million reasons, to play really well this season, right? Like, he is a player who, if all goes well, could get a lot of money. He's going to get a lot of money anyway, but he's going to get a lot of money. And I emphasize that mm-hmm. when I say it, if he plays well. And so he's got, you know, a lot of reasons to to produce really well. For Giroux, he's comfortable. He's in Ottawa. He signed a, you know, a little a little bit of a deal there to stick around for a while. I don't know if the pressure's on him so much, but there's pressure in, on Debrinket to play well. There's a lot of talk in Ottawa about getting another defenseman, though. Um, they're not... They're in on the Jacob Chickering talk out of Arizona, but the price is too high, apparently, that they're not really willing to give up what they need to get him. I can't imagine Eric Carlson out of San Jose, who we'll talk about in a minute, is maybe destined to go to Ottawa, but there's some buzz there. I mean, going back to the centers where there was all that drama and his departure and the exit and that crazy stuff with Mike Hoff, like It was just a weird situation there. 
does he go back to auto? I don't know. What do you think the senators do? Are they, you think they're actively looking to make a, an addition right now uh, to kind of turn things around there? I don't exactly know what their plan is. To be honest, I think they'll stick with what they have, if I'm being quite honest. I think maybe they'll address that at the trade deadline, because I do think that the general manager did believe in the squad that he built. And I think he's just kind of hoping that they'll just gel together at some point. But I did think we talked about Jacob Chikrin and Ottawa, how that made way too much sense um, and that it probably should be on a, a priority of theirs. But like you said, a lot of teams are kind of backing out because they think maybe the price is too high, especially because he's still injured and hasn't played. That's another issue too. I do think they will have to address their defense. I don't think it's going to be right this second though. I kind of see them just kind of trying to hope that they'll just kind of figure it out. It is still fairly early, but uh, we'll see there. I don't see big changes though happening at the second. What about Anaheim? I mean, I I didn't anticipate Anaheim to be very good. I didn't think they would probably compete for a playoff spot at all. I figured John Klingberg coming in on a one-year deal meant that he was going to be flipped before the initial trade deadline. I absolutely think that now with where they're at in the standings. Is this a team? They've got a bunch of pending UFAs. They've got Klingberg. They've got Dmitry Kulikov. They've got Nathan Beaulieu. Uh, they've got a bunch of RFAs, too. Do you think this is a team that starts to maybe becomes one of the first sellers this year? Like says, looks at their situations like we're not very good. You know, we we could be better, but we're not yet. Uh, we're not there. We need more prospects. We need more picks. Are they among the first few teams that get into this market and start going, OK, we're ready to sell some pieces here? I I think that's a possibility, but the Anaheim Ducks have surprised me a lot this year. And I know this because the Blackhawks just faced Anaheim. Um, a couple games ago, and I was actually really shocked by how uh, kind of still disjointed they really are. I actually had a little bit of high hopes for them, maybe not to be contenders, but maybe that they would be a little bit better this year. I thought especially with Frank Vetrano and Ryan Strom, like uh, players like those would really help them, and it just doesn't seem like it's there. So I don't know. I feel like they probably should be sellers, but I don't feel like there's much for them to sell at this point. They do have a lot of young prospects that they're not going to want to get rid of. I think it's kind of a slippery slope there, and they probably, I think, want to do the New Jersey approach where they just kind of want to let everyone develop like Zegris and McTavish and stuff. But, yeah, I'm I'm really surprised by their start for sure. I kind of thought they'd be a little bit better than they are. So I don't exactly know where they go from there, but they probably should try to be sellers if possible. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Ryan Strom's not doing his part. He's got like 11 points in 16 mm-hmm. games. Petrano's got a little bit of production going on. So some of those guys have come in and played. I mean, Klingberg's producing. He's playing 23 minutes a game. Like, he's he's doing his part. Those guys that they brought in are doing what they're supposed to be doing. But there's just something in Anaheim. They can't – you're right. They're not clicking. There's there's no chemistry there. They're not figuring it out. They haven't taken the next step they need to take. In fact, this is a team that – was pretty bad last year is almost worse this year. Like it's mm-hmm. weird. You wouldn't have thought they'd be worse, but you know, the, you would think natural thing is there's gotta be a step up, right? Well, not for these guys, for whatever reason, uh, they've taken a step backwards. Let's switch gears just a little bit and talk about a team who is on fire, who is in, incredibly good, way better than I thought they were going to be at this stage. And this is New Jersey devils are like on fire, <laughs> Like they're yeah. really good. Uh, and this is so funny because the story when you started the season and you remember Lindy Roth got booed, you know, almost yeah. out of the building at the game against Detroit at the beginning of the year. And everybody was freaking out um, that New Jersey wasn't very good and hadn't been very good in the two years he was behind the bench. His record wasn't so hot. Now all of a sudden they've won like 12 in a row and they're like, 
I don't know if that's still the case or the record exactly, but they're really good. They're one of the hottest teams in the NHL right now, and they're young, they're fast, they're skilled. Um, they've got a lot going for them. Um, is this a team? I didn't expect that they'd be in the playoff one. I thought they'd be a, you know, maybe a bubble-ish team. I didn't. Jeez, they're looking pretty good. What do you think of the Juju Devils? I'm with you. I didn't expect them to be much this year. I figured maybe, like I said, they'd be like Anaheim, maybe a little bit better because they did get Eric Halla and they re-signed um, Jesper Bratt and stuff. So I figured they'd be a little better, but I didn't expect them to be on a 10-game winning streak good at this point. But when you look at their team as a whole, it's kind of amazing what they've done. They've proven that you don't really need a team full of elite talent to play really good hockey. I mean, they have Jack Hughes and Brad and stuff, but... You know, they don't have a team full of Tazes or Eric Carlson's or whatnot, but yet they have the third best defense in the league right now. They only give up two, wait, 2.44 goals per game, which is pretty amazing considering how badly their goaltending struggled last year. And that's another thing. Their goaltending has been phenomenal. Uh, Vanacek has a 2.17 goals against average and seven and one. A, a seven and one record right now, which is pretty incredible. They're getting contributions from everyone in their lineup, uh, from Jack Hughes, even Dougie Hamilton's having a really good year. Thomas Tatar, uh, Ryan Graves, just everyone is just clicking right now, and it's kind of fun to be in New Jersey. I think right now, I think New Jersey fans have been hoping this day would come. They've been pretty bad for a while, and they've been hoping that their prospects would take the next step. And it looks like it's paying off right now. So they're just clicking right now, and it's a fun time. I think in New Jersey, they're just doing well on offense and defense. <laughs> Yeah, things have certainly changed from the the fans' perspective too, right? Like they were booing Lindy Ruff, and then all of a sudden they're apologizing in unison in the arena. They're all like, "Sorry, Lindy!" Like they're chanting their apologies throughout the arena. So it's pretty amusing and entertaining, and kind of cool what's going on in New Jersey. And they're a team that doesn't tend to get a lot of attention. Like they're they've got a, a history in New Jersey. They were contenders for a very long time before they were terrible mm-hmm. for a very long time. Um, but nobody talks about them as much as a lot of other teams, right? Like Jack Hughes is really good. Jesper Brad is really good and they don't get a lot of attention. Like these are players that I think still fly under the radar a little bit when it comes to how good they actually are. And uh, I think there's only, it's only going up. Like, can they maintain this pace? No, I don't think so, but they're going to be a good team for a long time. And if they keep putting the pieces in there uh, to make them even better, it should be interesting to see where New Jersey winds up and how quickly they worked their way into discussion. Like, I don't know. They, in a way, hopefully they don't have the same fate as the Winnipeg Jets. You know, like they were a team that everybody was like, oh man, that's a future team. Like they're really young, they're skilled. They got a lot of good things going for them. And then Winnipeg just sort of pooped the bed and didn't do anything. And they departed a lot of their players and it didn't work out for them. I hope that doesn't happen in New Jersey. I hope that they're able to take that step that Winnipeg did not take and they can figure it out and they can put all those pieces together because if they can, um, and Vanacek's quite the story in in goal there. There's a player that he weren't even he wasn't even their number one target, and they got him because yeah. he was available, and he's turned out to be fantastic. So, um, yeah, no, that's a good story there. Switching gears a little to San Jose, we're going to talk about Eric Carlson. Basically, there's two stories going on here. One that San Jose is willing to trade almost anybody except for Thomas Hurdle. That's the the word we're hearing out of San Jose, and that Eric Carlson might be available now might be available and that they're listening and willing to talk about an Eric Carlson trade is different than can you actually trade Eric Carlson? Like, I don't know. Can you, he's $11.5 million player. He's got multiple years left on his deal. He's on fire right now, but he's not always on fire. In fact, he's injury plagued and has been, 
Uh, he hasn't been as productive the last couple seasons as you might expect uh, when he was maybe the best defenseman in hockey for a while. Well, I don't know if you could trade Eric Carlson. I can't imagine any team, even at half that salary, that's like a $6 million player. Who's got, who can afford that? I don't, I'm not sure if there's a team out there that's willing to do that. And why would San Jose retain half the salary? So uh, what do you think, first of all, San Jose being this aggressive early on and telling people, yeah, we're get, the market is open in San Jose. We're ready to go. And then what do you think make of the Carlson stuff? It's the smart move, I think, by San Jose for sure. I mean, they're struggling again. They're just not a very good team. I think they're, yeah, they're at the bottom. Of, they're 25th in the league. I mean, something's got to give at this point. It doesn't seem like much is changing anytime soon. My thing is, do I think a lot of teams would like Eric Carlson for what he's doing right now? Uh, he's uh, the top defenseman in points right now in the league. Um, so I do think there's interest there, but the thing is he's got five more years left on that contract. Yeah. It's not like he only has one or two more years where other teams can be like, eh, I guess I can live with that for a couple of years. That's five years. And especially with the flat cap, I know the cap is expected to rise within the next couple of years, but right now with the flat cap, a lot of teams are panicking right now and trying to save a little bit more money. So it's a tough thing. I don't think they'll be able to move him though. And I don't think it's because of production. I think a lot of teams would like Eric Carlson for what he's doing. I think this is the best start of his career, but that contract just makes it really tough to move 11 and a half a year. 11 and a half million a year is just tough to navigate. Yeah. I mean, you can't add a $5.75 million player, even at 50% retain, which I don't think San Jose will do because they like him. He's productive. They believe he might be their best player. And why would you give up? It's not just retaining salary, like one or two years. Okay. But to retain salary for whatever he's got left. And then you double that. Like it's not a buyout so much, but it's like, it's this dead cap space that you mm-hmm. are going to have to eat for four seasons or whatever. Like, why would you do that? I just don't know why San Jose would, would make that move unless there's something so big coming back. Then you become the team that not only paid, a lot of money for Carlson who may or may not be this good for the rest of the contract, but you also had to give up a lot to get them. And you took on all this money. It's just, there's so many things with a trade like this that you're kind of like, man, there's like one real positive. It's Eric Carlson. And then mm-hmm. there's like nine negatives. It's like, I don't think we can manage this. Like, I just don't know. There might be two teams in the entire NHL that could pull that off. Right. Yeah. And then you consider that Carlson's got a full, no move, no trade. So he's got all the leverage in the world. Why would he want to leave? I don't even think he wants to leave San Jose. So I hear it. I hear the talk and everybody's, you know, oh, Eric Carlson this, but I don't know if he's moving. I can't even imagine that this trade is easy to do. Nonetheless happens. The rest of San Jose, though, you're right. That's a team that is is odd. You know, they give big money to players who are just outside of their prime years. And then they wonder why they have these people on their books. Um, they just, they invest in the strangest places and it's, uh, I don't know if they know what they are and where they should be and what kind of team they're building. And, you know, they struggle a little bit to figure out what their identity is. I have a feeling that it's going to be a painful few seasons in San Jose. I don't see what direction that team's going. I don't. Yeah. I don't either, especially because they don't really have many exciting prospects either. They don't have like a Jack Hughes or someone on their team that they are like really excited to build around. So there is a few kind of bad bad jujus there in san jose for sure yeah it doesn't look so good uh vancouver is another team that we should talk about that that talk about a franchise that looks like they're falling apart here a little bit uh they've struggled they're a little better than they were at the beginning of the year they were terrible at the beginning of the year but they've sort of figured out you know win one lose one 
lose a couple, win a couple. Like they're starting to get back, but everybody knows Bruce Boudreaux is probably not staying in Vancouver. The talk is that he's going to be released at some point, matter of if or a matter of when, not if it's going to happen. The big talk coming out of Vancouver right now, though, is what happens with Bo Horvat. Here's a, a player who's been really solid. His production is super high. He ranks right in the top five, top 10 of production in all skaters in the NHL so far this season, but he still doesn't have a deal. The Vancouver Canucks gave all this money to JT Miller after a whole off season where it looked like they weren't going to give him the money. They did. Now they're not sure if they're going to give Bo Horvat the money. I don't know. Do you see Horvat getting traded? Like I guess one, would you have picked JT Miller over Bo Horvat? And then two, yeah. are they going to trade Bo Horvat? I don't think I would have picked JT Miller over Horvat, to be honest. I think he's been way too big of a piece for the Vancouver Canucks Horvat has for so long. And he's been so underrated, I think, for so long, too. No one really, like, highlights him as kind of like a top player. Like, I think everyone knows it, but not a lot of people say it. I mean, he's second in the league right now uh, in goals behind Connor McDavid. And no one is really saying anything. And I don't know if it's because Vancouver has struggled um, a lot this season, but I wouldn't have picked JT Miller. I don't think over him. I like JT Miller. I think he's a good player, but at the expense of losing Horvat, no. But I do think Vancouver would be wise. I think at this point to explore a trade. I think Horvat even said um, when Vancouver was in a six-game skid, there like how he feels like he felt at the time that it felt like they were never going to win again, that he's been in a rebuilding um, year for a long time. It feels like at this point now his feelings might've changed. That was obviously a bad stretch, but I think if he wants to win and he still feels that way, maybe a little bit deep down, then they should explore that for sure. And I think because of his production right now, they could get a pretty good haul, I think for him. So I think it'd be smart to listen for sure, and I know it probably would be up to Horvat at the end of the day, but I think it 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 should be explored. If I if I'm the general manager of Vancouver, I probably am looking at that, even though it's not a very popular move. Obviously, he's a big part of the team, but Vancouver's not doing well, and they're kind of in a weird stuck place too, where they're just not getting anywhere. So you might want to start addressing it now. If if I'm Vancouver and I don't know that I'm keeping Bo Horvat, I'd trade him now, uh-huh. like honestly, like now because. He's a pending UFA. He's making five point five million. He's an actual. He's an affordable contract for a lot of teams. There and he's on fire. And if you're getting Bo Horvat, there's two things you want. You want somebody who's going to produce for you for the rest of the season. You don't just necessarily want him as a rental because you're not getting the most value out of a player who's just absolutely tearing it up right now. Um, you also want the ability to get him acquainted with your team, get him comfortable with your team, and then potentially look at an extension with your team. And if you do that as a rental, you don't necessarily have that opportunity. Yes, players will come in and play for a few weeks and then sign again. Some players, like in Calgary, will sign and never have played a game for the for the team. Uh, big long-term deals. But it's much easier if you're looking to acquire Bo Horvat and can keep Bo Horvat to get him in now, have him play with you, have him be productive with you, feel comfortable, and then stick around. And there's a few teams, I think, like Detroit might be one, and there's some other teams I think would look at Horvat and go, yeah, this is a player that we think we can make a key part of our, our roster. And the longer you have him with you, the better you probably have the odds of a team-friendly deal. I think he's going to be expensive, but I don't know that you can't make that work. Um, I would trade him an yeah. out. Like, I, I, I think you run the risk if you're Vancouver, because Vancouver sucks. Like, they're just not a very good team, right? <laughs> and if you're going to hang on to him, and all you're going to do is get a rental price for him at the at the deadline... 
you're limiting. There's going to be a lot of teams that are interested, but you're limiting what you can get. You know that he's not staying because if you go run this whole season and don't sign him, he's probably not sticking around. Um, so why would you not trade him when teams are like, yes, he's on fire. He's like the second best scorer in the NHL right now. Of course we want that. Um, I think you'll get the best haul if you make it available and say, Hey, okay, we're taking, taking offers. That's what I would do. Cause I don't see Vancouver coming out of this. Like, especially if they're going to fire their coach in the next two months. Yeah. Like what are they expecting? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they think they're going to win. Like, I'm not sure what they're waiting for, to be honest with you. I don't know if they're not keeping Boudreaux around. Why have they not fired him yet? I just don't, I can't wrap my head around that one at all. Uh, I guess last topic for today, any teams um, that stand out for you so far this season? I mean, we're about 20% of the way through the year uh, as we do record this. Lots of teams have been really strong. We talked about New Jersey and how good they are and surprising teams like Ottawa have not been great. I cover the Oilers. They've been very mid. They haven't, uh, they've had struggles in goal. They've had an injury with Evander Kane. They haven't won nearly as often. They've had struggles in areas that we wouldn't have thought they'd struggle. That's been a little bit of a shock for me, but they're not out of it by any means. Are there any teams that you're looking at going, man, this is a surprise, either positive or negative? Some, a team that came to my mind was the Flyers. Um, Obviously, the Philadelphia Flyers have struggled a lot. I think they were in the bottom of the league for the last, like, two or three years. Um, and then Tortorella, John Tortorella took over, and I think they were 7-3 and three at one point. Now, obviously, it's a little bit different now. Um, they're, I think, 7-6 and six or something like that now. But I'm kind of impressed, though. They do play very hard. They might not be elite, but you can see that they play a different game now. So they've actually pleasantly surprised me. I don't know if they'll go anywhere um, per se, I don't know if they're a playoff team, but knowing that they're seven and six, considering seven, six and three, considering where they were last year, seems like a pretty big improvement. So I'm kind of, they have uh, surprised me in a good way. Um, and so is Vegas. I did not expect Vegas to be yeah. this good considering they lost Robin Leonard and just their offense just was not good at all last year. And now they're like, look like uh, world beaters. So I'm kind of surprised by those two teams, I would say. Yeah, well, Vegas, I'm with you. I'm shocked by Vegas, to be honest with you. I thought their goaltending situation was going to be a disaster for them. They gave away Max Pacioretty. I just didn't think they'd have it. And But Eichel's been fantastic. Like, he's been really, yes. really good for them. And their goaltending situation, like, Logan Thompson's been awesome. Um, Aiden Hill's been pretty good. And they're already talking about trading Robin Leonard. You know, they'll do it in the offseason, apparently. But that's a player they're already, like, as long as we know we can get more starts out of these two and they're going to be solid like they are right now, we're comfortable moving Leonard. Like who'd have thought that like a month Mm -hmm. ago, like I wouldn't have ever predicted that the flyers don't surprise me as much as they surprise you, because I think I might've said either on this show or the hockey writers podcast that we do that this is Tortorella's MO, right? He comes in, he puts the whip on everybody. They're really good. It doesn't last. Like he, they start out really strong. He beats them into submission. They play his way. They give up. There's problems. I mean, did you see that interview he did? I don't know what it was, NBC or whatever, where he's got the thing and he's like, how would you uh, assess your teeth? Plays? We suck. We don't forecheck. We don't yeah. nothing. What do you need to do? We need to forecheck. Like, he's so blunt. And it's mm-hmm. uh, it, it's interesting for a while, but that story grows really old really fast. And that's Tortorella's MO. That's why he leaves all these cities. He comes in, he cleans people up, and then they play well for half a season, and then they stop. And... I think we're already seeing it with the Flyers. They got out to a really hot start. I think his message sunk in for a few games, and now they're coming right back down to what we believe the Flyers are. So they don't surprise me as much as I think 
you know, the hot start was certainly a surprise. Um, but I wasn't like, I think they'll respond. I just don't think it'll last that it's already seeming to fade. Um, is interesting because Tortorella man, that guy's something else. He is. He's entertaining for sure. I was kind of hoping the Blackhawks might look at him. I understand that gimmick gets old, but sometimes it's nice as a fan to hear kind of the truth instead of saying like, oh, we should be better. He comes out and says we stink and we need to be better. Like that kind of stuff is refreshing, but I get that that kind of stuff gets old for sure. Would would you like a voice like that for Chicago if they're rebuilding and they know they're rebuilding and they need a coach that's going to be with them for the next like four or five, six seasons and they want somebody in there you know, young to grow with the team, maybe not necessarily young, but like has the patience is willing to work with people is a good talent developer. Is that Tortorella? Like, is that the person you want with Chicago? I mean, you, you're a huge fan of Chicago. You want that team to be good. If they're not necessarily better, like talk about a surprising team. They'd be better this year than I thought they were going to be. But I don't think they're going to probably make the playoffs or anything like that, but it's, um, you know, I think you want somebody in there that's going to be the future guy for the next two or three years when these you know draft picks they're getting and all these assets they're dumping to get picks and prospects start to develop and show themselves. I don't know. Tortorella scares me in that situ- situation. Yeah, he does. But I kind of liked him as a pick a lot for Chicago, especially because of the accountability that has been missing on this team for the last few years. It just seemed like nothing was changing. Players were playing the same way. It just it wasn't helpful at all. And I felt like if the team was going to go in a new direction, they needed a coach to say this is wrong and start holding players accountable. And that's what Tortorella does well. That's the thing I think he succeeds best at. But I do love uh, what Coach Luke Richardson is doing. I think he's doing a great job. And he is holding players accountable. And the players seem to love him and they respond greatly to him. Uh, So they didn't lose out at uh, at the end of all this, I don't think. But, yeah, I understand that Tortorella definitely can be scary that way, I think. Uh, for sure, because if you're playing bad, he'll tell you. Yeah, I just wonder if his message is so old school that it doesn't. I, I, that's why I'm with you. I like Luke Richardson a lot. I think he's he's that he was when he played. He was that rugged sort of stay at home defenseman that didn't take any crap. He probably is the same way with his players, but at the same time, they have a respect and a love for him. I mean, you heard Max Domi talk about how much he likes playing for him and would stay there if he had the option. I don't know if that'll happen. When you look at a player like Kirby Doc, for example, who's gone to Montreal and things have turned around there a little bit for him, uh, is that what you're talking about when you say players accountable? Like I, some of that's injury related, but Doc never seemed to reach his potential in Chicago. Uh, mm-hmm. Would it have been different? You think it would have been different under a guy like Tortorella, or has it been a total disaster? I don't know, to be honest. Kirby Doc, I think I mentioned this before. I'm fine with the trade. I'm fine that Chicago traded him. He had three years to kind of show something, and he never did. I understand maybe he was in put in unfair situations, or maybe they weren't using him correctly, but in my mind, it was either you were a third overall pick, you have to show something. It doesn't matter kind of what the team is putting you through. I don't know if Kirby would still succeed if he was with the Blackhawks, if I'm being completely honest. For whatever reason, some teams and players just don't mesh well for whatever reason the systems just aren't good for certain players so obviously Montreal system works for him and I think that's great for him and I thought about it too I don't know if he would still succeed if he was here even under Richardson maybe he just needed a new system I don't know it's just I think the kind of unfortunate part of the game we see it happen all the time but if he was under Tortorella that would be interesting um for sure I don't know maybe maybe he would respond to him who knows but I think he's better off in the long run being in Montreal than Chicago it just I think works better for him yeah yeah it's you never know right it's a hindsight's 2020 you can't predict what isn't uh reality we don't know right what it would have looked Mm -hmm. like but it would have been very interesting 
I will say in closing here, one of the other teams that I will be keeping my eyes on here over the next little bit is the Columbus Blue Jackets. I yeah. I think with all of the injuries with Zach Wawinski, Patrick Line is out again. Uh, that team has not played terribly well. Johnny Gurdjieff has been okay individually, but he has not really figured it out with any of his teammates there and people haven't stayed in the lineup long enough for them to build any real chemistry. I think Columbus is going to be a team that starts to sell. I think they've got a few uh, pending UFAs there. No, nobody like no real big names that the market would be like, yes, yes, we absolutely want that guy. Like Gustav Nyquist is not at the top of your list of uh, pending rentals or anything like that. But I think Columbus is probably going to pack it in here. I just can't imagine why this team has had so many injury problems and so many knocks and, you know, um, those guys just, they got to know that they're not going to be competing. So why bother? So why not just work your way back down? So I think they're going to do something here. I don't know what the trades will look like. I don't know what they're going to be asking for or what players people will line up to, you know, make a pitch for. But I do think that's an interesting story. I wonder if Goudreau's looking at this going, oh boy, this isn't exactly what I had pictured when I, I came here as a free agent, but that's going to be an interesting story too. I had them as uh, I had Columbus as a playoff team in our the hockey writers rankings. So I feel kind of embarrassed right now. But yeah, I'm kind of surprised by that too, to be honest. But they've had so many injuries, it's hard. Well, yeah, yeah. In fairness to you, the Columbus would be better if their injury problems weren't existent, right? Like if Line had stayed in the, he's been out more than he's been in. He's been injured twice already this season, right? Mm-hmm. Like if Zach Wawinski doesn't go down, he's clearly the best defenseman. He's probably a top ten, you know, in terms of. Uh, all around well, like offensively gifted defenseman. Like he's pretty good, right? So you have those guys in your lineup. It's not as big an issue as it is now, but you don't have them. And those things start to present themselves and you start losing a lot of hockey games. But anyway, that's going to do it for us. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to chat about just different issues with the uh, NHL and certain teams and stuff like that. I look forward to seeing you on Monday and, uh, We'll close her off here, but this is another edition of NHL Trade Talk, the podcast. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for joining us, and we'll talk to you folks next week.